Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Hyundai just had a record year. And Sunbury Motors, by the way, a big reason why. And uh, once again, the uh, Sunbury Motors has the great deals. They have the great deals. No getting around it. And not only that, great pre-owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, here with 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. We're going to get Tyler Donahue, by the way, next half hour. We're going to do that one just to make sure that uh, Matt and I are on the same page since I'm the one changing up the lineup today. We'll get Neil Kulong on tomorrow's show. If that's all right with you, sir. I'm always good with that. I'll be ready. Tyler Donnie. And then uh, Rick Boyajas. We're going to talk about officiating at 4.06 today. How about that? Yeah. Hey, we'll change it up a little bit. I think it's something like, people have a lot of opinions about, for example, um, officiating. Okay. And like anything, you can talk about whatever you like at 30,000 feet. But when you're actually there in the weeds, it's a little bit different. And this is something I said, uh, and I've said this on the show before, but I'll say this. When I, when in basketball, of course, I've always been, you know, I've always been at practice, so I had the ability to watch practice, whatever it may be. And, you know, obviously now after two and a half decades of, you know, almost two and a half decades now of doing Penn State football, I'm out there every day. Right? Or have the ability to watch it every day. And, they said, and somebody said to me, and this I'm going to go back, Matt, maybe this might be 15, 20 years ago. Somebody said to me, what has surprised you about the job? And I said, actually, the, 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 I, the thing that surprised me about the job was by being there every day, all the stuff people don't know. <laughs> That's that's the part that's surprising. It's like it's a lot of little things, subtle, um, a lot of why. You know, it's it's just it's interesting. It's it's the stuff that like that you don't know, and that that's the, I think that's the part that surprised me. Uh, let's see. Uh, NFC Championship on Fox. Now, why I'm on their email, I have no idea. But but when they put everything together, this would be Fox Deportes, over-the-air Fox, Fox Sports Streaming platforms, NFL Digital, Verizon Media Mobile Properties. 
The game peaked between 6 o'clock and 6.15 Eastern Time Sunday night at 53 million viewers. 53 million. Now, the matchup drew an average audience of 44.8 million. Uh, And obviously, those are dynamic numbers. So, on Fox itself, uh, let's see, they drew 44.8 up 3% over last year's Packers 49ers game up 8% over last year's comparable TV window, which had been, obviously, the AFC game. It's the most watched telecast of any kind on any network since Super Bowl 54. Uh, On digital, the average minute audience digital was 1.6 million. That's up 58% over last year, up 28% over the previous high. And let's see, Fox Deportes, most watched NFL telecast of the day on Spanish language television. And for the 27th consecutive year, much to the chagrin of the suit, I might add, who is such a Bill Cower lover that even he is a denier of the Door of the Explorer commercial. For the 27th consecutive season, Fox NFL Sunday was the number one pregame show on television. And for the 27th consecutive year, I'm proud to say I didn't contribute to the rating of either one of them. (laughs) And I was a part of that because I love that pregame show. That is the way I start every NFL Sunday. Wow. Whether the okay. Eagles are on Fox or not, that is my favorite pregame show, and I start my Sunday watching them. Really? I just think it's very, very entertaining. I don't know. It's just it's just a really good product. I, I, I don't know. I, I just always have loved it. I love the theme music. I don't know. I just It just says Sunday to me, which is why I guess I like the Thursday night package better too now because, I don't know, it just says Sunday football to me. See, I, I have no desire to watch, and believe me, I, um, I have. Anybody who wants to watch, you can watch whatever you want. I, I think it's great. You're into it. You love it. The whole thing. Um, I get nothing out of it. Now, maybe it's because I've just done a full day on Saturday of, you know. You do your own pregame show for ninety minutes, and then you you do the game, and then you do a postgame show, and the whole thing. It's like I just want to like go to the next game. I mean, I I will watch the college football highlight postgame stuff because I want to see what happened in other games. And obviously, I usually like to sit down and watch another game when I get home. Do that all the time. But when it comes to Sunday, I just have no desire to see. I just want to get to the game. I just want to get to the game. Now, can you hear that in the background? No. No. Well, we actually, 
actually on the other side of the wall. We're having a heat pump put in. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it, I heard a little th- something back there, but it's yeah, not bad. Yeah, after 30 years it went. <laughs> ah. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. Oh, no, 30 years? I think 30 That's years. That's a pretty, pretty good, good run. Pretty good run for the old heat pump. Absolutely. Uh, so we haven't had it for three weeks. I mean, we have a wood stove, so we haven't exactly been uh, – we have not been uh, freezing in here by any means. But we do have to have it done. So uh, he's in there putting it in today and tomorrow. So, yeah, he's doing his little deal right now. Yeah, he, he's terrific at what he does. But, yeah, that's what's happening there. But yet I can't I can't get into it. I mean I, I have no problem with anybody who does. I mean again you everybody makes their own choices what they want to watch. Um. What bothers me though about the Cower commercial is that in order to get perspective on what he watched, the suits now watching Reem runs the door of the Explorer. I just I mean I don't. I, I, And you know I'm I'm not making that up. I know, especially after all I learned yesterday. I know. Yesterday had to scare you. Uh, I've got several. Yeah, I've got several. I've got, I've got several emails from the audience. <laughs> <laughs> they were scared too. So. Ah, uh, there you go. We're drilling in the background. There we go. We're getting better. <laughs> getting closer to heat with each with each one. <laughs> so we like to hear. Actually, for me, in the end, you know, the big part of it is, I just want to get the thought. I mean, since it's, I mean, it's since it's done. Uh, let's just get the thing done now because uh, being a heat pump, that means it's my air conditioning in the summer. <laughs> so I'm thinking more go. about that than anything else. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, Tyler Donahue, next half hour. Rick Boyajas at the 406 half hour to talk about officiating. Uh, one of the Matt's favorite topics after you know after Matt's done trashing coaches, he trashes officials, and then he try and then he tries. I mean, inexplicably to to see if they can somehow get rid of the owner. I would like to point out, just for job's sake, Matt loves our owner at the radio station. Back, which Thank we you. all do. Back, which we all do. Back with more. I'm just trying to save your backside because there are questions here on News Radio 1070 WK. Okay. <laughs> The Phillies are going to win the pennant. They have signed JT Real Muto after brilliantly bidding against themselves for weeks at $115 million. He had $266. He's the guy that actually had to get back, to be honest with you. But I, I swear to you. The number went from 90 to 100 to 110 to 115. Who were they bidding against? Seriously. I mean, that'd be the first. We're going to get a Phillies guest on tomorrow. But that would be the first question I'd ask. Who else was bidding? The Mets? No. Yankees? No. Well, that sort of reduces the payroll deal, doesn't it? Dodgers? No. Red Sox weren't. Like, all the big money teams weren't bidding for them. Who are you bidding against? The Blue Jays?
hey, it's not my money. <laughs> so it's not, I'm not that concerned about it. I just he's what the highest paid catcher in the history of the game. Does that sound right? It's the highest annual value average or something like that for a catcher. It's a five-year deal, by the way. Yeah. Um, highest average annual value at 23.1 mil, which surpasses 23 million from Joe Mauer's 2010 contract. And he spent most of his time playing first base after that. 29, look, he's a good player. I mean, there's no getting around. He is a good player. He's only 29 years old, so this would get him to 34. So I'm going to guess this is his last contract with the Phillies. Um, he's a good defensive catcher. He is a catcher that can hit with power. I mean, I mean, the last full season he had was in 2019. Like everybody, the last full season anybody had was 20, 2019. He had 25 home runs. Uh, and they're going to need that from him this year. They're going to need a 25 home run, 83 RBI season from him. Uh, so uh, he's going to go from 10 million a year to 23.1 million. This is a 278 career hitter. Good, not great, but good. Um, and but my question is, when I see the when the number like that. Who else were you bidding against? I just don't see who you were bidding against to get that number. I don't know who the agent is, but the agent might be, I mean, somebody where um, is like the MVP of agents because he convinced the Phillies that somebody else was involved. I mean, the Mets signed McCann. The Yankees are all set at catcher. Plus, you know, I mean, you're a big Gary Sanchez guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you like anybody? I wanted the Yankees to go after Real Muto. Not, it was lower on the totem pole. I'm glad that they've addressed the pitching, but. But but do you like anybody? I do. Just do cool. your job correctly, and I'll like you. He didn't do his, half his job correctly. He doesn't block the plate. He can hit the heck out of the ball. I'll give him that credit. But he doesn't know how to block the plate, and he refuses to do it correctly. He is the only catcher in the league that I have ever seen that is too lazy to get down and block a ball that he's got to lay one leg out so he doesn't have to go down as far. Give me a break. So what what doesn't he do at the plate? He doesn't block the plate. And because of that, I've already decided that for the holidays, I'm going to get you a block of cheese <laughs> to go with your persistent wine. <laughs> now that was good. Touche. <laughs> I'm just having fun with it. Uh, look, you can't have fun doing this job. It's not worth doing. Uh, Mr. Keels wants to know if I'm live or remote. Told him I'm going remote tomorrow for Ohio State. Yes. Uh, 
We're going to talk football, by the way, with Tyler Donahue next half hour. I'm looking forward to that because you know what you know what you know what I don't have to do with Tyler. Talk him off the ledge. I don't have to buy a block of cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Just thought I'd throw that out there. I just want to make sure you knew that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, what did the suit get you for uh, the holidays this year, by the way? He got me a nice card. Hmm. And... Actually, yeah, I think that was it. He just gave me a card. I was confusing. His, he gave me some new clothes for Luke, but that was... I think that was for his birthday or something, or I forget when, but he did do that, but it wasn't for Christmas. <laughs> so the answer is yes, a card. Well, after all the handouts in Ward 4 to try and keep his spot, I got nothing. All right, so. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I gave him a card as well, so there you go. Oh, no, to be fair, I gave him nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, how about Alan uh, Urbanowitz? Alan Urbanowitz, thank you so much. Uh, likes the uh, show. Send us a like on Facebook. Thank you, Alan, for doing that. We appreciate that and appreciate you very much and everybody else who listens and also sends out the likes. Tyler Donahue, 24-7 Sports, next half hour, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great new inventory. Hyundai coming off a record year, and Sunbury Motors a big reason why. Also, great pre-owned inventory. Sales staff's going to work with you because, look, your budget is what it is, and you know what you want to pay, and they want to make sure that what you're buying fits your budget. They work with you. And you want a service department that, if it's a big problem, they know how to take care of it, but they're also great at routine maintenance. It makes a big difference in what you're doing. And we're a few minutes away. We're going to get to Tyler Donahue, 24-7 Sports. On. It's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. So Tyler Donahue in a few moments. Oh. Thought we had a call there for a second, Matt. Which we would have taken, uh, but uh, and then we'll talk to him about Penn State football and Rick Boyajis on officiating next half hour. 
And we've had a lot of people say, hey, you know, I know either you know, they didn't get a chance to listen to the podcast, you know, but they wanted to um, hear Kale Sanderson again. No, I don't blame him. I mean, look, let's face it, that was a great get for us last week. So we're going to hear from him because when we when we had Kale on, he could do 335 last week. Was it Friday we had him on? And, uh, yeah, it was Friday. Yeah, yeah, it was three thirty-five. So we so decided, hey, you know what? Since enough people want to hear it again, you know, we'll turn it over an hour later at four thirty-five. So we'll do that in the next uh, hour. So that's how it's going to play out. So if you missed it the first time, or you want to rehear it, or if you heard it on the podcast, you want to rehear it, you're going to get a chance at four thirty-five today. Um, we edited out all the stuff about. Um, the suit stalking the program. I, <laughs> I noticed that. Yeah. Thought it was. I thought it was important. It's. I mean, how many times? Suit light. I don't even. Does he have eligibility left? I'm gonna say a big no on that one. I don't know. Actually, he might. He's been out of school what a year and a half. Um, I might be he, two years. He might, but... he might have eligibility. I didn't think of that. That's and true. Again, which makes Daddy Dearest even more dangerous. All right, so kind of like the fate done away of dads. What the? <laughs> I'm telling you, my kid's Rudy. Oh, <laughs> everybody run. Run for your lives. My kid's Rudy. Oh, gee. How bad was it today with the ice? Are you still getting ice there? So we're still getting some. It's been kind of on and off all day. I don't think it's doing anything in particular right now. Just kind of depends on where you are. Yeah, yeah, we're kind of the same way. I think for the most part we haven't, but the temperature didn't get as high as they said it was going to get either. It's supposed to get to 38 today. We haven't even come close to that. Yeah, it's we've been steady right around 30. Yeah, that's why it stayed icy. Yep. Uh, that's that's the problem we had. It just didn't get above 32. And big issue. Uh, the basketball team fly, uh, flying to Columbus and then game is tomorrow night 7 and then they got Wisconsin here Saturday at 3 and then they go to Wisconsin after that and people have asked me in fact Dick asked me in the regular season has it ever happened they played a team back to back and I said yeah once it was a terrible circumstance awful uh, they were supposed to play Iowa at Rec Hall and Chris Street and whenever you walk past the Iowa locker room at Carver Hawkeye they have the plaque up for Chris Street I think it was a restaurant. I think he was pulling out of a restaurant in his car, and he got hit by a snowplow. It was, like, awful, just terrible. So, obviously, Iowa didn't come here to play the game, and the way the schedule fell is that Iowa had an opening, Penn State had an opening, and so they ended up playing back-to-back. They played at Rec Hall first, and then they went to Carver-Hawkeye right after that. So it happened back, I want to say 1993. It actually happened. So that's the way the schedule is right now. But, again, people left 
the Jordan Center on Saturday night thinking it was going to be Michigan. And a half hour after I got home, we found out that they had to pause. And then it really, you know, they, when you find that out, you're looking around and say, okay, we're open. Who else is open? Now, the first one I looked at, just out of happenstance, was Ohio State. And it turned out, I noticed they didn't have another game till Saturday. And I, I got a hold of Dick. I said, I think we're going to play Ohio State Wednesday. And they did. So that's what they turned out. All right. Tyler Donahue. 24-7 Sports. Sorry, let's get into it with him. Welcome to the program, sir. Great to have you with us. Hey, I'm happy to be back, and I hope you've been well. Ah, been very well. Hope you've been well. I can, no complaints here. All right, so I've been ma- mapping this out, and, uh, and something that uh, Jack Ham and I have talked about. Uh, Jack and I had a conversation on December 15th, and I said, you know, the next four weeks between then and January 18th, which was the last day to declare for the draft, so it would be four very important weeks for Penn State. Uh, how do you think those four weeks played out between letter of intent day in terms of transfers in, out, uh, and and how the roster and who's decided to stay? Yeah, wow. Uh, There's been so much to digest with how this roster has, has gradually shifted. I mean, ultimately, I think what you're bringing in versus what you're losing here, you got to be really happy with the results if you're a Nittany Lions fan. Um, you know, you didn't get any major splash at the end of the recruiting cycle, at least not ahead of the early signing period in December, but you kept everybody on board. You avoided any kind of late surprises and, and someone leaving the class. And I think, by the way, keeping all 15 of those commits on board, most of them through the 0-5 start and afterward, and a lot of those guys hadn't been to campus in a while, very impressive by Penn State staff, long-term relationships, long-distance relationships. Uh, I, I look at the transfer additions that they have. I mean, these guys have played football. These guys have played a lot of college football, and I think it's one thing to go out and get some fancy names, guys who maybe two or three years ago were four or five-star prospects, but maybe haven't materialized on a college football field. You're getting three guys from the Power Five level who have started experience. John Dixon, a cornerback at the South Carolina, and the defense, uh, defensive lineman Derek Tangelo out of Duke, and then running back John Lovett out of Baylor and then you're getting a guy at Temple who was an all-conference player at the FBS level last year and Albert Ebicati. Um so I think you know you combine that with who you lost in the transfer portal you know some of those names are promising you had high hopes for, for guys like TJ Jones and Judge Culpepper at one point um, but they just have not proven it to this point in the field they'll get another chance to do that somewhere else and you know, Antonio Shelton, a guy that was, you know, always visibly uh, fired up and someone who I think was playing some of his best football as a fifth-year senior. You know, wish him well with the Florida Gators, but I, I don't think you're going to deal with a major slip there. Um, I think they'll continue to explore it, but I look at kind of the, the end result of the equation, and I would say Penn State comes out of this whole deal, and, and they're not done yet, of course, as you know, but they come out of it right now, late January, I think as an improved football team. And again, the NCAA did not say you can have extra players on scholarship. It's still at 85. So I mean, when it comes to the Shelton situation, he is taking a sixth year. There is nobody at Penn State taking a sixth year. Correct. And by the way, speaking of, uh, you know, I didn't even talk about the guys that you retain. Yes. Jahan Dotson, I mean, the way he Huge. finished the season, you couldn't have blamed him if he went to the next level, regardless of how deep the wide receiver class might be. I think he had 440-some all-purpose yards the last couple of games combined. So, obviously, he's your number one target. You've got the emerging uh, Parker Washington right alongside yes. him. And, I think the, and, you know, Keandre Lambert-Smith, you still like what you're going to get there. you got a lot of names at receiver. But then also Jaquan Brisker. 
pitcher. You want to talk about someone who was ascending Huge. over the course of the 2020 season? I think there's a case to be made that by the end of this 2021 year, you could view Brisker and Dotson as the most important playmakers on either side of the football. I think Brisker has a lot more to prove in that regard. But, yeah, it's both those guys, I, I fully could have anticipated them you know, shifting gears and, and trying to go get a paycheck. What does the hiring of Mike Yurcich mean, not just to the to the current product, what also can it mean in the recruiting of the future product? Well, I can tell you it's, it's, it's got some juice in the recruiting trail with some of the quarterbacks we've spoken with, whether it's the 2022 guys and you know maybe adding to the class. They already have Bo Perbule, the top Pennsylvania prospect at the position, but maybe they go for a two-quarterback class, something they did back in 2019. And then you know even down the road with some of these uh, sophomores who are going to be juniors this upcoming fall, you know it gives you a bit of a national reach because he's got the, the, the Big 12 time, he's, he's got the Ohio State days, he's got the Oklahoma state day so you, you kind of spread a very large map and, and, and you know he's interacted with a lot of different people on the recruiting trail and I think just in general the move and, and kind of what that required James Franklin to do you know moving away from Kirk Shiraka and, and how difficult that really has to be after one year and considering what 2020 was even more difficult it, it kind of shows you that James Franklin is you know very much all in and I thought what he said about the quarterback play last week was was very telling that, that that position needs to take another step. It did not take that step last year. And if you turn on football that first week of January and look at who's playing, there's really, really high-level quarterback play involved there. Yeah, no question. There's no question about that. And, in fact, we'll be seeing those some of those names in April uh, come up on a board. Uh, all right, so... What would it mean on the recruiting front for Penn State? Everybody's had to adapt, but at some point we're going to transition out of this. People will be able to get back to making visits and so forth at some point. What does that mean to to Penn State in particular? Because that's been the formula that's worked so often. Yeah, they got to fire up the golf carts again, get these players all, all around campus. Uh, it's, it's been a long time. And you go back to last March since they had somebody on campus. Um, in an official capacity, you have some guys come and check it out in their room with their parents. But, yeah, I, I think immediately, you know, April 15th is the date that we're still working with as far as the, the in-person recruiting being shut down. If it gets lifted in mid-April, then, then you're talking about right away official visits uh, with, the, with the juniors who were, who were part of this 2022 class. It's, a, it's The early official visit window was not available last year. I think it's proved to be a very pivotal part of the recruiting mm-hmm. calendar, especially with the early signing period. It gives some players and their parents a little bit more confidence to commit before their senior season and they don't have to go into the season trying to juggle how they're going to schedule those official visits. So I think that would be a huge step in the right direction. And then, let's face it, it's it's very difficult to to get heights, weights, verified 40-yard dash time, verified leaping abilities right now. I know they got the virtual combine set up uh, like a lot of programs do, but you're going to want to get the guys to campus and you're going to want to measure them up and and time them out and, and find out you know, who really is a next level athlete because high school production is great. The film is great. You want to not only see them as physical specimens, you also want to see them, what their personalities are like. Get them in a room. Get mom and dad in a room. Um, get their siblings in a room. Get to know the family face-to-face because there's a lot, I think, that both sides of the equation can hide 
uh, when you're doing kind of the, the Zoom mm-hmm. or you're doing the FaceTime. And then there's things that are just lost in translation and you're not going to get a feel for. So Penn State, Happy Valley, it's not a place you stumble upon. It's not a place that you usually would pass on, on your way to somewhere. It's a destination. you got to make time for it. you got to make a schedule for it if you're a player, player in your family. So I think the first thing you're watching for is those potential official visits. And the next thing is uh, open the floodgates for, for camps. And uh, like you, I hope we're, we're, hope we're very close to transition away from what has been a, just a supremely long pause and, and one that I can't imagine what it's going to mean long term uh, for these players who had to you know, commit to schools that they'd never visited. Uh, on December 16th when they had the signing class with 15, more than half of those had been to Penn State, a Penn State camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me the value of that camp, and probably a lot of it goes to the answer you just gave. Yeah, well, yeah, I think the first thing is the, the verifiable things to get your own eyeballs on it. You'll see James Franklin there, you know, down on one knee with the stopwatch in his hand, getting 40-yard dash time. Yeah. And they know who they're looking for. It's not like they're going to these camps and, and, and throwing darts at a board. They, they have some priorities in mind when these camps open. You want to get guys in certain matchups. You want to maybe bring guys to the side for some extra work late in the day, see how they move around the field. And sometimes you figure out, well, we thought this kid might be a wide receiver coming to campus, but he really might be a safety or we thought this kid might be a safety but he's really going to be a linebacker at the power five level he's going to be most successful so those are things you can do with verifiable eyeballs i think the other thing is peer recruiting goes to another level it's one thing that be part of a text thread or or being on some group zooms but to to be elbow to elbow uh, on campus with another commit uh, it's one over other recruits it's helped push guys to the finish line because you get a feel for not only this is the campus these are my feet are on the ground at the place i could call home one day but you're also looking around the room or you're looking around the the group you're with in the field and saying this could be my roommate one day this guy and i could get an apartment you're talking about lifelong relationships so there's a lot of breaking of the ice that happens uh, along with all the verifiable measurements I'm talking about. First uh, Wednesday in February is coming up. Any expectations on your part regarding Penn State? Yeah, I, I think I think you're still looking for Penn State to make a move at defensive end. Um, you know, Devon Townley is, is a guy that we've been watching closely. He's going to announce there um, in February out of, out of Minnesota. Um, uh, but, I, I, you know, I still wonder, Franklin mentioned this last week, you know, they have wiggle room, and, and do you go the, the high school route or do you go the transfer route or do you do a blend of both? I, I don't think they're done the transfer portal. Um, I don't think they're done in the, in with the high school players, but there just have not been a lot of names at the high school level to surface to this point. You know, Harrison Wallace kind of came out of nowhere late before December with, with wide receiver out of Alabama, never got to campus but committed. Um, it, it's just hard to see. Like, normally you'd see some January official visits and guys getting to campus for the first time. It's a difficult task, I think, for the for parents and prospects and also this Penn State coaching staff with some moving parts there to really go all in on, on a, a 17-, 18-year-old uh, right now. So I still think we're going to see them go after the 21-, 22-year-old, you know, grad transfers, guys with some, some experience. But I think defensive end is the spot where you look at the roster right now, and unless someone's changing over from linebacker or moving outside from defensive tackle, you've got to address the numbers there. What's been your thought on look you the transfer portal you you need to be involved in it's just in today's football it's just the way it needs to be how do you think Penn State's handled it because it's a transition they've had to make 
Right. I mean, to this point, going into this winter, Jordan Stout was pretty much far and away the most meaningful addition that they've had through the transfer portal. They were going to get a, a kid a couple of years ago, uh, George Campbell out of uh, Florida State, wide receiver, ended up at West Virginia. It didn't work out, but he would have been an interesting addition. Mm-hmm. Weston Carr was kind of a, you know, a letdown coming from the Division II All-American and didn't really produce. So I, I think, you know, you, you look around, you see not just that quarterback. Quarterback's the obvious one. You know, last year it's three of the four quarterbacks in the playoffs started out at a different school than the one they're representing in the playoffs. Right. And so quarterback's the easy one, but you look around, you just see how teams can fill those different holes they need. And Penn State has clearly identified they had to be more active. Um, and, 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 hey, look, Penn State is a brand that, that players are going to associate with, you know, long-term NFL aspirations and, and a proud history on the football field at the college level. And a lot of these guys they're bringing in did not have a Penn State offer coming out of high school. So it, 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 it's a cool experience for some of those guys. Others, you know, maybe you're circling back with. John Dixon's a good example. He made an official visit to Penn State in high school, and now here he is a few years later after spending time in the SEC, and he ends up here. But I would say it's a lot like the draft and free agency. If you're a successful NFL franchise, you're going to do the roster building through that draft, but you're going to find the supplemental pieces and maybe the parts that push you over the top through free agency, through trade acquisitions. And I think right now you're seeing personnel departments in college football really being pushed to take that approach. And the ones who are ahead of the curve uh, are the ones that are going to be coming out of here in the next three, four, five years uh, with the most success, I would imagine. Tyler, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. Good talking to you. Sunbury Motors Ford is bringing in 2021 with a bang. SMC has just received shipments of the all-new 2021 Ford F-150. Save up to nine grand on the totally redesigned F-150, which was just awarded North America's Truck of the Year for 2021. Sunbury Motors has 67 F-150s in stock and arriving soon. SMC is introducing the highly anticipated 2021 Ford Bronco Sport. The new Bronco's retro design reflects its iconic heritage from the 60s and 70s. Sunbury Motors has them in stock, starting at just $28,200. Pick from 61 of the top selling Ford Escapes with savings up to $8,250 and slash to as low as $22,380. SMC is where you want to be in January for discounts up to $11,000 on the largest selection of new Fords in the Susquehanna Valley. And everyone is clearly marked for this massive sale. Sunbury Motors Ford in the 4th Street Auto Plaza. Proudly serving all of central Pennsylvania for over a century. Hurry, sale ends Monday the 1st. 